Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leaders Performance Podcast. My name is James Emmett and I am the Editorial Director here at Leaders. Uh, it's a lovely day here in uh, London, a little bit windy, um, but I suppose you've got to take the rough with the smooth when you're recording podcast intros outdoors. Housekeeping. Do make sure you subscribe on iTunes to make sure you receive the latest podcasts as they're published, uh, which is every two weeks or so. And if you're a high-performance practitioner and you're not a member of the Leaders Performance Institute, quite frankly, why not? Inquire about the benefits, and there are shed loads at leadersinsport.com today. Now, one of those benefits is, of course, that you get your hands on the Leaders Performance Journal, the 10th edition of which was published this month. And if I don't say so myself, uh, within that edition is a really quite interesting piece on the data revolution going on in tennis. Um, the women's game especially has taken a real leadership position on integrating the use of performance data into the fabric of the game itself. Um, they have coaching breaks uh, in which uh, tablet computers are allowed on court um, at all WTA events and it is no gimmick. I was speaking to Thomas Witkorowski, uh, who is a world number five Aga Radvanska's coach um, the other day, uh, and he's a huge advocate of uh, the, the use of performance data uh, in his coaching techniques. He was explaining that Aga was able to win last year's Singapore season-ending WTA championship event um, thanks to their joint interpretation of data. He was able to show her, he was explaining that um, she was hitting the ball um, far too far behind the baseline uh, by showing her um, images that come with the data. Um, she was convinced, uh, was able therefore to step forward, take the game to her opponent on a much more aggressive platform um, and she won, which was her, her biggest tournament win uh, to date. Um, following that conversation with Thomas, I thought, naturally, this is ripe territory for a podcast. So I hot-footed it down to Eastbourne earlier this year um, to talk to Jenny Lewis, um, who is on the technology innovation team at SAP, uh, which has been the official cloud and analytics partner of the WTA since 2013. Jenny took me through the performance data system SAP has developed for the WTA, its players and its coaches, um, a system which took a good two years in development and is really bearing fruit this year. Later on, I spoke to Nicole Pratt, who is head of women's tennis at Tennis Australia and personal coach to up-and-coming star Daria Gavrilova. She wasn't a fan of on-court coaching, of the on-court coaching rule when it was brought in initially, um, but now says she spends 50% of her time um, on-court coaching and the other 50% of her time crunching the numbers. I suppose probably 49% of her time uh, crunching numbers and 1% of her time uh, talking to me for uh, an interview. Um, so here we are, Jenny Lewis and Nicole Pratt on the data revolution in women's tennis. Jenny Lewis, uh, we are here at Eastbourne. You work for SAP or you yes, work for the WTA? I work for SAP. Could you just explain what your role and responsibilities are? 
Yeah, for sure. So I'm part of the global sponsorship team. Um, so within SAP, we have a fairly extensive um, sports portfolio, entertainment portfolio um, as part of our sponsorship. Um, and I'm part of the technology innovation team. Okay. So I was given the um, job five years ago of working out if SAP was going to invest in tennis, what could we do? Um, and that journey um, was through tournament relationships. And then we decided that with the on-court coaching rule, within women's tennis, that that's where SAP could have the biggest impact from a technology point of view. So I started working with the WTA on how that could come come together. And then in 2013, we announced our partnership. So we've been the official cloud and analytics partner of the WTA since August of 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've had this relationship now in place for um, almost three years. Um, but it's, if I'm right in saying it's not been until this year, earlier this year that you had the, um, the the interface for coaches available and we were just talking to Thomas Vitkorovsky, Aga Radmanska's um, coach just now and he was saying that he was hassling you in particular um, for different sort of stats to, to pull before the interface went live. Could you just take sure. us through your side of the story on that one? Yeah, for sure. So the nice thing is before we actually um, announced our partnership in 2013, I was lucky enough to spend the the last part of the 2012, early part of 2013 um, season actually on the road with the WTA. So before we even launched we spent nine months capturing um requirements from coaches so the the conversation that Thomas is referring to is is in that lead up of what could we do Um, when we first launched it was all post-match we knew that we could capture information in real time but we couldn't share it with the coaches community in real time because there wasn't a rule that allowed us to do that so for that first 18 months we were capturing information um post-match and sharing that with the coaches and it was very much a paper-driven type solution because that's what they were used to so what Thomas was kind of talking about is coming up to us saying well we want this we need this how do you get us this information so we worked very closely with coaches like him in gathering the requirements to be able to build out a a full solution and we launched a reporting portal um, in 2013 for the coaches to get match information as soon as the match was done what we've now done and and we launched this um, nearly 12 months ago um, at Stanford in um, in 2015 the WTA made a a slight adjustment to the existing on-court coaching rule to allow technology to be taken on the court. So that's then what we've been now being able to do for the last 12 months is in real time tell a coach exactly what's happening out there on court. So when the girls call them out to have a conversation, they're armed with fact. It's no longer opinion. It's not what I think you're doing. It's actually what's actually happening throughout the match. And that's what we've been able to, to deliver. And Thomas was a vital part of that in telling us exactly what he needed before, during and after a match. So... Um I think it's in the changeover breaks, isn't it, that the coaching is allowed to take place. Um, When uh, those coaching breaks do occur and the coach goes down with his iPad or tablet or whatever um, to to have a a pep talk with his player, it's probably very important. That is quite a short, intense period that, that some information needs to be got across. Fair enough, you know, the coach is receiving it in real time. Fine, he needs to be able to understand it and, and change it. And how hard have you worked on the visualization of it so that athletes can digest it really quickly? Yeah, and that was a very, very important part. It's a 90 seconds that they have unless there's an extended break with an injury timeout is the only time that the coaches have more time. So very. Um, so the other thing that um, was super important to us was environment. Um, 
quite often. Tennis is played in the sun. Maybe not here, um, but uh, certainly in the sun. So what we spent an awful lot of time was in testing in making sure that if you're going to have a tablet courtside in full sun, it needs to work when you're wearing sunglasses, when you're not. So a lot of time and effort was put into the design of the app. The other thing that we did is when we launched it, we realised that you couldn't use swipe gestures because you sit in the sun for two hours, 45 degree heat, your finger becomes too sweaty and you can't use it. So the app is actually being designed so you can use it with your thumbs. So we actually sent the developers to sit courtside in Dubai in 45 degree heat for three hours for them to understand the environment that we needed to deploy in. So very much um, contrast colours, environment, the information, the snapshot of information. We spent an awful lot of time asking questions and that's where it became a co-innovation. We didn't build anything that a coach didn't ask for. So it's very much that, what do you need? Let's work together to build that. So when we took it to the court, we, need, we needed to make sure that we were showing five very simple things that were easy to digest and more important that the coach could configure exactly how he wanted it to be configured to be able to deliver the certain pieces of information. So no two coaches wanted the same thing. So we needed to make sure that it was completely configured. So we spent an awful lot of time in design, but also in consultation um, with the WTA, with coaches, with broadcasters, with legends, with players, to make sure that we were heading down the right track. So five th- everyone gets five things, five key stats. Um, could you just talk, obviously this is a visual uh, thing that's going to happen now. Uh, maybe if you could talk us through what you're about to show me, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah, absolutely. So what we start out with is the standard match stats. So what a what a coach would normally see as they're tracking that, you know, aces, double faults, first serve percentages. So this screen is a very simple screen. The, it, it's colour-coded to let them know which player is winning. This is from the match um, that was played here yesterday. We can see that Carolyn dominated, won every, every stat. Mm-hmm. A coach can configure it to go in and look at a set-by-set basis. Um, you know, we saw certainly in um, Birmingham earlier in the week where a player would be have a really bad first set but have an amazing second set. So the ability for the coach to be able to flick and focus on on the positives. So the first thing that we start out with is definitely the match stats, okay? okay? They can then drill down into so much more detail around that because the umpire is obviously tracking all of that for us on a score level instead of just seeing that um, she served three double faults in that first set, three double faults in that second set, a coach can actually configure the screen to show the score. Okay, so what's important here is her, her serving three double faults at the beginning of the game, who cares? It's, it's a throwaway point. Okay, so the ability for them to understand the psychological part of tennis. Yes, you've served three double faults, but it doesn't matter if they're at the beginning of the game, as long as you, you, know, you pick up your serve. So you start to look at players who've got amazing serving stats, but they're leading the double faults. You go, how is that possible? Because they're serving them when it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So having that level of ability and for a coach to be able to walk out on court and say, it's okay, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. It's, you know, keep focus, you know, you're coming back into it. The other thing that's super useful is 30, the 30 all point. What is the first serve on the 30 all point, which is the pivotal moment. So for them to be able to understand not only his own player, but you can also switch to the opponent so that they can keep track of exactly what's actually happening out there on court. So we break it down. I can down just say now that Caroline Wozniacki's uh, percentage for the 30 all first are very good indeed, 100%. 100%. And most importantly, she won every single one of those serves as well. So she got a first set event 100% of the time and she won 100% of those. So that gives them that ability of being able to understand. Yes, she played very well yesterday. Um, so that kind of information comes directly from the umpire. 
every single match played on the WTA Tour, Mm -hmm. we have that level of detail. So they can be looking at this before a match, they can be looking at this during a match, they can be looking at this post-match to get this level of detail. And that's the difference of what SAP's done with the WTA, Mm -hmm. is taking it to the point level to look at those kind of statistics. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you you provide um, this tool, this interface for coaches, for for athletes, for you know whoever. It, this is this is not for spectators. Not yet. Okay, not yet. Um, do you also provide the scoring system for the umpires? No. So the we take that as a feed. So um, that's part of the, the tournament operations. So as soon as they commit the score, that information is transmitted to us directly, um, and then from there we're able to do this additional analysis. So we're not capturing the data we're analyzing the data that comes through okay Mm -hmm. now when they play on a hawkeye tracked court so obviously hawkeye are there for the official line calling but we take all of that data because it gives us ball and player tracking and then we're able to break this down so the first piece of information is standard match stats the next four pieces come down to when there's a there's a tracked match going on and we can look at serve we can look at return of serve we can look at when the rally starts where does the player hit the ball from where does the player hit the ball to and they're the the key the key screens that you can now see is and on this screen we can actually see exactly where carolyn wozniacki was serving her first and second serves from a placement point of view on the court very rarely will a coach want to see every single ball so what we built was a series of scenarios so a coach can be sitting courtside and know exactly where Carolyn serves on breakpoint. And we have just shown a very clear pattern. On the breakpoints that happened in yesterday's match, she went down the tee on both sides. So what that means for the opponent, she knows where the ball is coming. So if they had an opportunity to have a conversation, her coach would be able to, to say um, to Elise yesterday, breakpoint, she's going down the middle of the court. Take that step. Okay, so that's the type of information being able to give it to them as the match is happening, they can adjust strategy accordingly to be able to do that. Mm. So we get clear patterns happening throughout matches. Okay, Um, then we start to look at position on court. So the next key visual I'm showing you is the return of serve. So one was where the ball bounced from a serve direction. This is contact point. So we can actually see here that um, Carolyn's coach would have been really pleased yesterday aggressive she's close to the baseline to return the serves Uh, it's important because she's taking time away from her opponent you either hit the ball harder or you hit the ball earlier so this is something that the coaches will want to be able to see where is she positioned on the court for return of serves then when the rally starts we start to track forehands and backhands so where is she hitting her forehands and backhands from now again do we want to see every ball probably not So we can show where is she hitting errors from, where is she hitting winners from, where is she hitting the first ball after the serve. So that's about position on court. Has she recovered from the serve? Has she attacked the net? So the ability of being able to see all of that level of detail. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, in this, where does she hit the balls to? To give you a specific example, this was great. And when we first delivered this, the coaches really loved the fact that they could actually see where the balls were going. This only tells part of the story, though, because you don't know when when she misses, where does she miss? So we added it. So for the first time in tennis, you can actually analyse all the balls. So this now shows me the out balls as well. So we can see yesterday that Carolyn hit 11 balls into the net. She hit 10 balls long. So that allows a coach to have a conversation with her about 
maybe at the contact point, maybe she's hitting the ball too late, too early, mm -hmm. so that he can actually say, I can see you going for this, you're missing, this is why you're missing. Mm -hmm. So again, giving them that all of that information is what sort of that's about. Yeah. So those key areas, serve, return of serve, rally hit from, mm -hmm. rally hit to, give them that rounding of everything that they want. And that's really the screens that most of the coaches will focus on. Here's a, a success story for you already. Um, Thomas was saying that um, Aga won the um, Singapore World Finals event um, last year and he was saying it was noticeable, some of his peers had noticed that she was hitting the ball a lot closer to the, the baseline. She, she had stepped in a metre or something from the last time they'd noted where she was hitting from. He says that is down to information that you provided him um, obviously before the interface came about and he'd been showing Agar and, you know, come on, move up. Um, and they managed to make it work. Do you have any other um, success stories that you can share at this point where, where something concrete has happened as a result of these stats? Yeah, um, and again, it was um, at the WTA finals um, last year in Singapore. It, we had a couple of great um, success for us. The other thing that was really cool for us is in the um, Rising Stars program, um, the WTA, because it was an exhibition event, they made the slight difference of that the coach could sit on the court the entire time. And they had the tablet the entire time. So with Naomi, who actually ended up winning um, the Rising Stars program, her coach was sitting there and could see a distinctive serving pattern that in the first set, she, was, she wasn't serving effectively. Um, and he could sit there and he could see that. And as the second set started, he said to her, if you start to serve more down the tee, I think that serve is gonna work better for you because the body serves, um, Caroline was hitting every single one back, okay? So the ability of him actually being able to show her if you change the serve direction, look at look at the success factor. So in the second and third set, she did that and she went on to win the game. So we're starting to see more of those kind of things. Is And what's super important is we can only point out the trend, right? It's still the player that has to be able to execute, coach to be able to interpret it, player to be able to ex execute it. So someone like, you know, Aga is amazing in, in being able to change a strategy mid-match mm -hmm. so that Thomas is able to deliver information to her mm -hmm. in preparation for a match or during a match and she can execute on that. Mm -hmm. So certainly we're starting to find more and more trends where mm -hmm. they can see things and then the player's able to execute on those. Obviously the WTA has um, changed its rules, I suppose, in order to be able to incorporate this type of technology into the fabric of the game. Mm -hmm. um, how has the has there been any, been any not necessarily negative but um, not wholly positive feedback from some of the players because the way that I look at this is that it's absolutely brought the coaches into the game it's brought coaching into and and some players are more tactically astute than others and I just think maybe they would think those tactically astute ones well that's dampening an edge that I had if I'm now playing a coach who's got my tactical acumen mm -hmm. have you had any of that kind of feedback so the own it's interesting the only comment that we've ever had is is that we're making bad coaches better right and for us we go we don't okay. see a problem with that yeah. right um, because we're actually bringing um, and in a lot of situations, what we tend to be doing is we're backing up what a coach feels or what a player feels 
with fact. Mm -hmm. So again, it comes back to that thing is it's a factual. The other thing is it's an even playing field. Mm -hmm. So we're not giving one player a competitive advantage over another. It is an open platform. Everybody has access to everybody's information. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons we took some time in delivering the real time. So real time was available or ready to go in January. We didn't make it available on the court until September because we spent that amount of time educating players and coaches about what the tool was mm -hmm. to make sure that when it was used in competition for the first time it was an even playing field that everyone had had an opportunity to use it to understand it and to be able to work it into their tactics mm -hmm. so in that sense as we're trying to level the playing field as opposed to giving anyone um, so that when we talk to some of the legends so Mary Jo Fernandez is someone who's worked with us you know part of her strength when she was a player that she said that she was very tactical she even talks about the fact this is that quite often and she'd think that she was doing something, she'd come off the court and her coach would go, no, no, you're not doing that, and they'd get into an argument. Now, it's all fact. Mm -hmm. So again, even for those players who are quite tactical, we take the, and I don't want to use the word emotion because there is still plenty of emotion in tennis. We're not making them robots, but it's that thing of, that it's no longer that I think I did this, I know that I did this. So a player who's quite tactical actually gets better information because the eye will often lie. Mm -hmm because I think I'm doing something, now the tablet is telling them. So from that point of view, it's the tactical players are actually liking it because they're now getting more information that they're able to use quicker than having to wait till the end of the match and then sit down post-match and go, well, what should I have done? Now they get that information in real time. So it's that, as I said, the funniest comment I've got is we're making bad coaches better. We have no problem with that. <laughs> um, Jenny, you obviously work um, in the sponsorship team at SAP. This is an example of... Um, um, uh, a, a marketing initiative, I suppose, that crosses into um, performance, and I suppose in this era of content marketing, that's that's ideal. You have essentially created something um, that SAP owns and has contributed to the game. Um, I know that SAP deal is with the WTA and not with the ATP or the Grand Slams, but can you just tell me what the situation is in uh, outside of the WTA? Am I right in saying the ATP they don't allow coaching? Correct. Yeah. And the Grand Slams as well. Correct. So we've, um, certainly when we did that initial analysis um, back five years ago when I, when I talked to you, we looked at working with all the different entities in tennis and try to find, and it, what's super important to SAP is when we do a partnership or a sponsorship with somebody, it has to be based on technology. We're not interested in putting our brand on something. So we're looking for that, that angle of how technology and SAP technology can help a sport. Um, and that's why for us it was the natural fit of the WTA um, for two reasons. One, they had the rule and more importantly, they were willing to work with us. They had been an amazing partner from an innovation point of view of saying, well, what do we need to do together to improve our sport? They opened their doors. As I said, they let me travel with them for nine months before we signed the deal. That's the level of access that they were willing to give us and we knew that that's the type of partner that we want. Other partners like the NBA, similar kind of concept, very open to working with SAP to de deliver technology that will impact their sport. For the NBA, it's the fan. So the NBA.stats, um, NBA slash stats site is all powered by SAP. They couldn't give that level of detail to their fan before they started using our technology. So again, we want to work with partners who see the value of using our technology to improve their sport or give more information and that's where the WTA were, were really helpful. We continue to have conversations with the ATP, um, obviously the solution we've built would work. Yeah. Um, at this stage they're not willing 
to you know to change rules or things like that but we'll continue to, to look at that um, again with grand slams it's, it's a different um, rule different um, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. yeah so again it's it's what's super important for us is is that the players still use our solution throughout the slam because we have season-long data so during a slam, they're not using the real-time solution, but they're using the post-match. So we've written, yeah, we've written a, now a new portal for the players and coaches to be able to get into, to be able to have a look at, well, how is a player performing on different surfaces? So Angelique Kerber, throughout the Australian Open, was using our stuff regularly to try to understand the different patterns of what she needed to do. It's the tool that her and Thomas use throughout the entire year, or Torben, sorry, that they're able to use throughout the entire year. They're also using our solution through the slams as well to be able to look at that level of detail. Um, where would you like to see this develop? First of all, how long is the deal, the initial deal? Um, and where would you like to see it develop? Longer breaks, more breaks, um, you know, data breaks? Yeah, so the, the good thing for us is, is um, we are, we're cu- currently working with the WTA on, on, on looking for renewal. Um, so our, you know, our original um, contract ends this year, but we're very positively looking to you know, extend into the future. The other thing for us is, is that we're looking um, not only in professional tennis, but outside of professional tennis. Um, so obviously during professional tennis, we have great data capture points. Um, for us, tennis is about to explode with what we would refer to as the Internet of Things, so sensors, so in racket, um, all of that type of stuff. So when we think about the platform that we have, the ability for us to start bringing in additional data feeds, whether or not that's Fitbit, whether or not that's a racket, whether or not it's a heart rate monitor. So those are the types of things where we can see this growing, that we take it away from just professional tennis. We take it to amateurs, but we also take it to training. So the future for this is to take this data from um, injury prevention, understanding um, also women's health. You think about we are, we are working with the best athletes in the world. Um, the research that we're actually able to do based on that is, is really the future for us. And that's one of the things that we're super excited about working with the WTA is opening up that door of we have this data now, we should be using it for medical research, we should be using it for all of those other types of performance things away from just what happens out there on a the court for 90 minutes. So those are the types of things that we are now opening up and understanding the other data sets so we're you know this far in a journey that we hope will be many years based on the fact we now have the foundation what also is important we have the reputation that we did it the right way we asked questions instead of building something and say here use it we listened first and I think now we have the momentum and the trust of the coaches the players the WTA of the solutions that we want to build we want to work with them we want to listen to them and we want to build solutions that are effective based on their feedback Jenny, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. So, Nicole Pratt, um, who are you and what are your current roles and responsibilities? Um, So currently I'm Head of Women's Tennis at Tennis Australia and I've been in that role 18 months and I'm also fulfilling the role of um, Daria Gavrilova's private coach, personal coach, but obviously through Tennis Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been coaching the last eight years and prior to that was a professional player myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about data in, uh, in tennis. Obviously you've been coaching for eight years. I imagine what you're doing now is not necessarily what you were doing at the beginning of your coaching career. Uh, no, um, certainly there's been a lot of ad- advancements in technology and particularly analytics and 
uh, and I think one of the one of the game changes also is the access to vision mm-hmm. that we now have as well. So when you add in the vision and the analytics in to terms match, of the fact that all the games are being filmed and you, exactly, yeah, and players actually have players and coaches have access to their matches almost immediately after that match. You're able to you know, review and, and you know, for me, the review process is, is really important to uh, players improving. Mm-hmm. So very broadly, could you explain to me how you use data now in your coaching processes? Uh, so for me, I use it daily. I use it to prepare a player for their match, uh, particularly against their opponent. And I look for, you know, strengths and weaknesses within the opponent and how I can sort of set up a a plan of play uh, for my player. Uh, You know, with SAP analytics, it's real time. So when they play on a show court, you're able to see those stats real time, which I do use. And then after the match, uh, reviewing the stats with my player, or to do with my player, and then often showing my player some key stats that I think is relevant. And then also, too, if they win their match, then you're doing that again for the following opponent. So, you know, I feel like I spend 50% of my time uh, with the player on court mm-hmm. and then 50% of the rest of the time either looking at vision or or looking at relevant... Crunching, crunching yeah, the numbers. Crunching the numbers, mm. exactly. Um, Take me inside Tennis Australia a little bit, the, the organisation, because obviously um, in terms of women's tennis, SAP has this deal with the mm-hmm. Women's Tennis Association. Mm-hmm. It's created this um, statistical product yeah. uh, for coaches to use. Yeah. The same situation does not apply in men's tennis. Mm-hmm. So at a top level at, at Tennis Australia, is coaching done differently because there's not the same access to stats? Uh, fortunately, I think at, at Tennis Australia, we are ahead of the game. We've had a performance analysis team um, within our high performance for the last, I believe, sort of six, seven years, maybe eight years now since actually, no, seven years. And so we've had access to the type of uh, vision, uh, sorry, the type of stats that SAP have been doing for quite a while now. We just haven't had them in real time. So we've been able to code matches, tag shots uh, after matches. And so uh, for me, we've been ahead of the game. And, and so that on the men's game, the coaches are applying that as well as, you know, the women, women the coaches of the, of the female players as well. Mm-hmm. Um- could you point to some substantive changes that you've been able to make um, to, a, to a player, I suppose, the way a player plays um, using stats? I mean, when I spoke to, to Thomas uh, mm. Agaradanska's mm. coach, mm. he said that they did a lot of work um, with SAP actually before the product was launched, but during mm. the testing phase mm. of the product, mm. um, he was concerned um, that Aga was hitting the ball um, behind the baseline, a lot further behind the baseline than she thought she was hitting it. Yeah. And he used the, yeah. the visualisation to prove that, that she was yeah. wrong and then they changed her game and she's played a lot better since. Do you yeah. have any, any other kind of areas that you can point to where, mm. right, we've mm. made marked improvements mm. here? Mm. Um, I've used that one before okay, as well. Okay, right. that, that's a <laughs> that, popular that, one. That's it? a yeah. really good example of, yeah, contact point for the player and, you know, obviously the, the more they can hold the baseline, the better. So my player had a tendency to drift back as well. Um, one area that sort of I think is is a key stat which we're able to see now is is where the second serve lands 
and how successful players are on their second serve. And so for, for my player, I just felt like they weren't targeting their second serve as well as they're capable of. And so to be able to show, listen, this is where your second serve is landing. It's Hawkeye, it's, it's, it's real. Um, and then also the pace of the serve. I think now in the women's game is not only do you have to get it right directionally, you have to have a minimum pace on your second serve. Otherwise, players are, are going to take advantage of that. So to be able to use that and, and make that a key stat for, for Gavrilova, that I wanted her winning more points on the second serve than she was. And when she does, that's when she wins matches. Mm -hmm. So um, that's been a, a, a big improvement mm -hmm. in her game. Um, you're a coach now, you're a player in the past, you've obviously been involved mm -hmm. in, in tennis most of your life. Um, as part of this SAP deal with the WTA, um, they've essentially changed the fabric of the game a little bit in that um, coaches are now allowed to come on and coach at certain intervals um, mm -hmm. within the game itself. Mm -hmm. From a, a, a sort of tennis purist perspective, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, and secondly, I suppose, from a coaching perspective, how useful is that for you, that live coaching ability? Yeah. I mean, in the very beginning, I was on the Players' Council, I think, when it was first um, put forward that we're, we're going to do on-court coaching. And I wasn't a fan because I was you know, more of a purist of the game. Um, but, you know, that was dictated by the fan base, you know, be, you know, something extra for the fans. And if, if that's going to help more people be involved in tennis, watch tennis, then, you know, y you can certainly understand that and accept that. So, um, you know, once embracing that and then, you know, the last ever since they've had it in existence, I guess I've been using it because I do believe it can make a difference. Uh, players, particularly players that I think lack emotional control mm -hmm. or lack the the maturity to understand actually what's happening out on the court. So the value in the coach going out and just enabling the player to, you know, clear their mind and then really refocus on what they need to be doing. And it's also an opportunity that, you know, for whatever reason, if, if their opponent is coming out and doing something different or they've adjusted their game uh, slightly, then you're able to go out there and potentially mitigate that mm -hmm. situation. What's the the kind of you said initially you were against the idea, um, but but obviously got into it and now you're using it because mm. it gives you an edge. What um, and clearly different coaches think different things. People use stats more yeah. or, or less. Yeah. Um, what do you think the players or can you tell me what your impression of the players' reaction uh, is to these coaching breaks? Because it seems to me that if you were a player. If you if 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 your game relied on your mind quite a lot and you mm. you were smart mm. and emotionally mm. quite sound mm. um, and you were tactically astute, mm. you kind of have had that edge dampened because you're playing the player in front of you and their coach who's mm. bringing that edge. Do you find mm. that there is some sort of reaction like that? Uh, I'm not sure players uh, look at it like that way. Except if you're an older player right. and you played in the era that you couldn't do that. Mm. So, for example, that was one of my greatest strengths as a player. And that was part of the reason why I was against it, because I felt like I would have lost my advantage over a lot of other mm. players that you obviously work a long time to gain that experience. Yeah. And so, I mean, 
Yeah, I think some players that are students of the game would probably be able to see why it, mm-hmm. it potentially could be a negative towards them or an edge that's being taken away. But at the end of the day now, I think everyone accepts it's a level playing field. Mm-hmm. So everyone has the opportunity mm-hmm. to use it. Mm-hmm. And even if you are one of the most astute players in the game, there, I still think uh, the ability for someone to look at things objectively from the side is certainly still going to impact the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the student of the game mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference between, aside from the fact that coaching breaks are not allowed at Grand Slams, what is the difference between how you do things at Grand Slams and how you do things on regular tour events, um, especially given the fact that obviously SAP provides you with the data mm-hmm. um, throughout the year, but I think it's Certainly it's IBM here at Wimbledon. I think mm. it might be IBM for most of the mm. Grand Slams. Mm. Mm. Um, is there a difference between how you go about things? Uh, I don't think there's a difference in terms of the preparation and the review process. Like you can still, like I said, at Tennis Australia, we've got the, we've got the um, coding and the tagging mm. of what's actually ha- happening out on court. Uh, but certainly sort of during the match, you know, you don't have um, real time and you don't have the ability to go out on court and coach. So you have to put a strategy in place, how your player, like you have to, so even the week before I said to my player, listen, I'm not gonna talk to you during these practices as much as I normally do, because I want you to get used to the fact that I can't tell you or advise you because at the slam, I can't, I can't coach you. Mm-hmm. Coaching's not allowed and if I get caught coaching, you'll get a fine. So. You know, we have to prepare. So it is a different preparation into a slam. Mm-hmm. Um, I I give my player match notes, which she has at normal tour events, but I find in slam she'll use them more a little important. bit more as uh, to go back to it and be able to refocus on, on a task. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and is there anything that you would like in, uh, in terms of the statistical data? You, you'd like something, but you're not getting it yet. You know, monitoring arousal levels is dictated often by heart rate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think feedback in, in terms of that, like a lot of those things we are using in practice. Mm-hmm. And and even like I know of sports psychologists that have been able to sort of map the, the brain waves, mm-hmm. like during competition as yeah. well. Like yeah. that's another area that I, I think is very, uh, uh, it's unique yeah. and it's untapped. Yeah. So if we start to go into that, then certainly I think there'll be there'll be advancements okay. in the game for sure. Right. Yeah. Nicole Pratt, thank you very yeah. much indeed.